Today we are continuing our series through the book of James and we are looking at what does it mean to have a Christ-centered faith. And this week we're in week five, James 3, 1 to 2. And we're talking today about Christ-centered faith embraces maturity in speech. Uh, John Wesley was preaching and he was wearing a new bow tie with two streamers hanging down from it. That was the custom of the day. And there was a sister in the meeting who didn't hear a word about Jesus, but sat with a long face and saw nothing but those two streamers. When the service was over, she went up and said, pardon me, Mr. Wesley, will you suffer a little criticism? Yes, replied Mr. Wesley. Well, she said, Mr. Wesley, your bow tie is too long and it is offensive to me. He said, have you a pair of shears? After receiving the shears, he handed them to her saying that she would know how they would look best. And she reached over and clipped off the two streamers. Then he said, is that all right now? Yes, that is much better, thank you. He then said, do you mind letting me have those shears? Would you mind a little criticism? Your tongue is a great offense to me, dear madam. It is a little too long. Please stick it out while I take some of it off. Of course, she resented the suggestion. Today, we're looking at the power of the tongue. We all like to talk. Some of us like to talk more than others. Some of us, right out of the womb, we talked. Uh, but we love to talk about art and athletics and agriculture and cars and politics and even religion. What a wonderful faculty speech is. It's been given to us as a gift. It makes society possible. It makes community possible. And we know our words are powerful. Just think about the words of Jesus, how powerful they are. They have the power to change and transform our lives, as many of us can witness. But because of this truth of James, he also warns us today that the tongue should be carefully guarded. The tongue is a two-ounce slab of muscle, mucous membrane, and nerves that enable us to chew, taste, swallow, and communicate. But although small, the tongue carries a great impact far beyond its size, James warns us today. James reminds us in the passage that we heard today, uh, chapter 3, verses 1 to 2, that we all mess up, we all stumble. Verse 2 there, we all stumble in many ways. That is the truth this morning as we come together as the church of Jesus Christ. How many times have we said, oh no, I shouldn't have said that. Oh no, I've said too much. Some of us would say, oh no, there I go. I put my foot in my mouth again. But James is trying to bring across in this passage that small things have great consequences. Little words have great consequences. And so he uses three illustrations seen in verses 3 to 5. Uh, this is in the message. A bit in the mouth of a horse controls the whole horse. 
A small rudder on a huge ship in the hands of a skilled captain sets a course in the face of the strongest winds. A word out of your mouth may seem of no account, but it can accomplish nearly anything or destroy it, says James, according to the message. We see here that James is using uh, three examples of something that seems so small and insignificant. A horse is a large, powerful animal, but it is just a small bit in the mouth that even a child then can lead the horse. The tongue is small, but it can be uh, something that can direct and lead the whole person. He uses also the example of the helm, that they, uh, the, the rudder of a ship is small, but when steered properly, it can direct the ship in the right direction. And so it is so for the tongue in the life of a man or a woman. That is exactly what it's like, the rudder of a ship, James is telling us. He also told us in verse 1 that the person who's in leadership in the church, the teachers, need to be beware because they too are ones that can influence. Their teaching can influence for good or bad. That what they say and what they teach will direct the whole Christian community. And so the third example that he gives is that of a spark. We know fire is very, very destructive. It's a destructive force. And a great fire begins with just a spark. Look at verses 5 to 6 in our passage. Again, I'm reading from the message. It only takes a spark, remember, to set off a forest fire. A careless or wrongly placed word out of your mouth can do that. By our speech, we can ruin the world, turn harmony to chaos, throw mud on a reputation, send the whole world up in smoke, or go up in smoke with it. Smoke right from the pit of hell. Pretty strong words. But it is true that a sparkable word dropped from a tongue in anger may fall into a family, a relationship, a community, a church, even a country, and set it ablaze in consuming rage. We heard the song, and I kept thinking about it all week. Oh, be careful, little mouth, what you say. Oh, be careful, little mouth, what you say. There's a father up above looking down in love. Oh, be careful, little mouth, what you say. Or be careful, little tongue what you say. We were taught that as children, weren't we? So what are some of the sins of the tongue? Oh, I'm sure that we all are aware of, uh, of them, but I'm just going to mention a few uh, in this time we have this morning together. Tattling. Now, that's usually something we use around children, isn't it? A tattletale. But busybodies out of idleness roam tattling from house to house. We realize that Paul spoke to the church in Thessalonica about these busybodies to watch out for them that go from house to house. We could say today from phone to phone or text to text. Just busybodies, tattling, sharing things that they have no right to share. And then there's those that slander we know today that the, the devil is the father of lies. So, uh, lies. so everyone who gives their tongue over to slander and maligns a neighbor or utters words of falsehood is of the devil. That's a strong statement, isn't it? James and Jesus himself would say that. Destroying someone's reputation in the eyes of others, even in ridicule, 
is wrong, when you turn someone's good actions into false motives, that somehow we think we can judge people, that somehow we know their motives for why they did what they did. Only God knows the heart. Of course, one of the greatest fires in the church with the tongue is that of gossip, isn't it? The ways we harm others with gossip. Some years ago, more than a thousand firefighters battled a raging wildfire for two weeks in the Black Hills of Dakota, South Dakota. It was the largest wildfire in the history of the Black Hills. It cost $9 million to put out the fire, $11 million to plant new trees and repair the roads, and the, the destroyed timber was valued at $22 million. And it started with one match. A woman got out of her car to light her cigarette and threw the match, and that's all it took. One match can start a fire. That, that is exactly what James is saying here. And one little comment can start a chain of gossip that can destroy a relationship, a church, a community, a reputation. Anne Landers said, people of high intelligence talk about ideas. People of average intelligence talk about things. People of no intelligence talk about other people. And so we can see this tattling and slander and gossip, and then there's falsehood, which is similar to slander, when we depart from the truth. This, this somehow in our day that is acceptable to say little white lies. A lie is a lie. And then there's this sarcasm, keen and bitter words that cut like a knife. And may I say that sometimes even come with a smile. Ouch. This is based on resentment and hatred and not very nice. The sneer, the phrase of ridicule, the rolling of the eyes, the nonverbal communication, a cold laugh. This uh, persecution is sharper than an axe and cuts deeper than a knife. And then there is that one that we all have mentioned over the years, profanity. It's just in bad taste. For many, profanity is just a bad habit that they feel is okay or even acceptable today in our culture. Not so for James and not so for today for the Church of Jesus Christ. The Bible says no rotten talk should come from your mouth, but only what is good for the building up of someone in need in order to give grace to those who hear. That's from Ephesians 4 verse 29. And oh, I'm sure we could go on and on uh, and talk about other issues. I think of the uh, word of flattery. But don't even try and tame the tongue, James says, because it cannot be done. Look at verses 7 to 8. This is scary. You can tame a tiger, but you can't tame a tongue. It's never been done. The tongue runs wild, a wanton killer, says James. So are we doomed? <laughs> Is there any help? Is there any hope for our mouths, our tongues? See, James is saying we can train seals and lions and elephants and other animals, but there is no one who can tame the tongue. We all have experienced the reality of the destructiveness and poisonous power of an uncontrolled tongue. And if we were to be honest today before God, we've been that tongue. 
No one can seem to control the tongue. It's humanly impossible, but I want to share today the good news that what is impossible with man is possible with God. God can tame our tongues. That's James' point in this passage. Jesus is in the business of transforming lives and tongues because Paul reminds us, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, there is a new creation. Old things have passed away, and look, new things have come. That's in 2 Corinthians 5.17. God wants to transform us, and he wants to transform our speech, our tongues. But you see, the only way and the only hope to tame the tongue is to work on the heart. Verses 9 to 12 in our passage. The only solution is a cleansed heart. See, for James, this double talking is inappropriate in a Christian. As fresh water coming from a salt spring or a fig tree bearing olives. And so listen to these verses, verses 9 to 10. With our tongues we bless God our Father. With the same tongues we curse the very men and women made in his image. Curses and blessings out of the same mouth. Jesus warned us in Matthew, I tell you that on the day of judgment, people will have to account for every careless word they speak. See, blessing God at one moment in a service and praising his name with our lips, and then in anger, cursing our fellow man or woman who have been made in God's image is a great contradiction. James is not saying that silence, you know, the person who's very quiet or silent is somehow better, or the person they're more spiritual because they're silent. That's not what James is talking about. Some of us are much more talkative than others. What he's talking about is an issue of the heart, and he is asking you if you have control over your tongue. Is your tongue been surrendered to the lordship of Jesus Christ. You know, we, we talk about surrendering as Christ is our Lord. Have we ever considered about surrendering our tongues to the lordship of Christ? But the point is, in order for our tongues to be transformed by Christ, there has to be a change done within our hearts. Jesus said, but what comes out of the mouth comes from the heart. And this defiles a man, Matthew 15, 18. So your speech, the way you talk and what you do with your tongue reflects a deeper issue, your heart. We have a saying here in the church that we've shared a few times. I've met it, mentioned it a few times in passages. What is in the well will come up in the bucket. See, what is in the well will come up in the bucket. When we are spewing and saying things with our mouths, it reflects a deeper issue, an inner heart issue. Verses 10 to 12, James says, My friends, this cannot go on. A spring doesn't gush fresh water one day and brackish the next, does it? Apple trees don't bear strawberries, do they? Raspberry bushes don't bear apples, do they? You're not going to dip into a polluted mud hole and get a cup of clear, cool water, are you? Jesus put it this way in Matthew. He said, cleanse first that which is within, that the outside may also become clean. 
When our inner life is controlled by the power of the Holy Spirit, the Christian speech can be now disciplined and honor God in a way that would be pleasing to him. The tongue can come under his guidance and control and leadership and speak in a way which would be pleasing to him. In conclusion, once upon a time, an old man spread rumors that his neighbor, his young neighbor, was a thief. As a result, the young man was arrested. Days later, the young man was proved innocent because there was no truth in what the older man had said. And after having been released, he sued the old man for slander, for wrongly accusing him. In court, the old man told the judge, they were just comments, they were just words, they didn't hurt anyone. The judge, before passing sentence on the case, told the old man, write all the things down that you said about this young man on a piece of paper. Cut them up on the way home now. I want you to throw those pieces of paper out. And tomorrow you come back for your sentence. The next day, the judge told the older man as he came back, before receiving the sentence, you will have to go out now and gather all those pieces of paper that you threw out on the way home yesterday. The old man said, I can't do that. The wind has spread them all over the place, and I don't even know now where to find them all. That's impossible. The judge then replied, in the same way, simple comments may destroy the honor of a man to such an extent that no one is not able to fix it. That one is not able to fix it. If you can speak well of someone, if you can't speak well of someone, rather don't say anything at all. Proverbs said it this way, 18 verse 21, the tongue has the power of life and death. And those who love it will eat its fruit. So your tongue this morning, my tongue this morning, the tongue of every believer of Jesus Christ has been empowered to be able to speak life into people's lives or to speak death and bring destruction. We know who is the father of destruction. We know the one who brings life. I was thinking that it would be easy this morning to say a very, very simple prayer and to end with it because ultimately now it's time to live the life. <laughs> what do we go and do now, this week, this month, this year, after hearing what James has admonished us? I, I like what Psalm 141.3 says, Set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. You see it in the PowerPoint behind me. I was wondering now at home if that would be a simple prayer for all of us today as we end this time together, this word of the Lord together. Let's pray that together. Set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. And God, would you help us as the church of Jesus Christ to do so. Amen and amen. God bless you.